0: I think I basically I feel like the premise of this podcast as a whole is to gen, generally, at least as us two hosts, um, you know. Maybe we're speaking on some concepts, exploring some concepts together, working through them, talking through them. But a lot of them just kind of draws on our own experiences, mm-hmm. and I think that's just inherent to any sort of discussion that we're having. Mm-hmm. Um, that that's where we're gonna. That's the material of the discussion. That's the the meat. That's uh,
1: the authenticity of
0: it. Yep, yep. Is that it's not necessarily regurgitating you know, these spiritual thoughts or these spiritual ideas um, in a outsider's way, I guess. It's more of like what we've experienced, what we've felt, how we felt in these moments, the range of the emotions that we've had, things of that nature. And I think I just wanted to provide that context not only to the listener but to you as well because this is just an open conversation for this episode, not necessarily like bullet pointed out concepts that we want to make sure we touch on um because i really think that this heavy this episode will be heavy on drawing on our own particular or this episode in particular will be heavy on drawing on our personal experiences so in i in that <laughs> in that way um this is why i would like to kind of prompt you okay and 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 we'll go back and forth because it's they still shared experiences, but you have been at this SAGE stuff a little bit longer, and that's what we're going to pull on today uh. is some SAGE experience. Sure. Um, and the main thing I want to talk about is that it seems like there has been an emergence of what SAGE is providing the community as this nonprofit, and if people are just listening, You can give the brief rundown of what SAGE is um, to start. But I've noticed accessibility has come to be one of the biggest elements of the value that we bring to the community that we're in in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and hopefully beyond.
1: The irony being that we were recently almost denied a grant for not being accessible because we were in a building.
0: Mm -hmm. Really? (laughs) Truly. Truly. And so, I guess I just wanted to s- hear you discuss, and we'll discuss together, just how that accessibility has come to be important for SAGE and how it seems to have just kind of come to come about, not really purposely, um, and how we're starting to move in that direction now as, according to uh, the emergence of this.
1: Well, I think, actually, first and foremost, it was really intentional from the get-go. Um, so in 2017, I was conversing with a, a fellow home-based business um, creative, and it was it was very helpful in the sense that it made me feel like I wasn't alone in this gig, this this crafting gig, <laughs> and, and that that I had somebody that related to me and. Um, The initial reason why SAGE came to be is we wanted more people to have access to that conversation. So literally, this organization was founded upon wanting to take a conversation to more people. And so accessibility has always been really at the forefront of what we do as an organization. And the way that I say that is uh, early on, especially after we became a 501c3, uh, a nonprofit organization, Many people were saying, you know, go ahead, charge a membership fee, have a a SAGE membership because we would use the term member, but there was no like financial contribution tied to that. And um, my comment personally was that I was adamantly against a membership fee or membership dues, which a lot, a lot (laughs) of arts organizations do. And I don't necessarily think that there's anything wrong with that business model as long as you're able to commit to a value, right? Somebody gives you 50 bucks. What are you giving them back that's worth $50? And I never really wanted to have to respond to that question because somebody's value of $50 could be completely different than somebody else's. And somebody else could be just looking at it, well, it's a $50 donation, while somebody else is going, I want this, 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 and this. And I didn't want to have to meet so many expectations potentially so the accessibility part of it for us all along is literally we wanted to ensure that everybody had an opportunity that there was never like a hundred percent that it was whatever you put into the organization was what you got out of it so it wasn't that you were putting in a dollar amount it was that you were going to be present. It was that you were going to participate. It was that you were going to volunteer or assist or, or what have you. And that only made the accessibility grow when you think about it because we put value in sharing posts on social media before social media went AWOL with their algorithm. <laughs> and it And it actually meant a lot to share what we were up to. And we put a lot of value in having monthly meetings and encouraging people to invite somebody and, you know, just just getting that word out there. And I can remember right around that 2019, maybe it was the summer of 2019, I can remember there was a decent amount of questions of, like, well, who is SAGE? And a lot of that came from the fact that another arts organization was kind of restructuring. And so the question... While they were restructuring, is like, who is SAGE and what do they do? And, you know, are, are they able to replace what this arts organization had previously been doing? And there was a, a, a decent amount of kickback at that time with nobody knows what you guys do. Nobody knows what you're doing over there. Nobody knows who it's for or who it appeals to or what have you. And if you think about it like that, yeah but it also increases our accessibility because it doesn't define us to one artistic medium. It doesn't define us to somebody's perception of an artistic ability. It doesn't define us to any type of demographic beyond the arts. And lately what we've discovered is art is essentially just a gateway. (laughs) It isn't even necessarily the main reason why People come through our doors, um, and I think that's. So I
0: think this would be actually a perfect time to jump in because I have a thought on that idea of why did the last individual that we met up with, you met up with, I was here reading mm-hmm. for a few minutes before I was roped into the conversation, and we all had a discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so this individual reached out to Stacy. And asked about uh, market display, correct? Mm -hmm. And so they wanted to meet up, uh, met at the Sage Studio here in downtown Green Bay, had a discussion. um, And it was briefly about market display. um, Out of the hour-long conversation, maybe about 15 minutes of that was spent on market display. But, um, you know, I think one thing that struck me, and I think you could just probably put it a little bit more eloquently, was you know do you recall what she said some of her outcomes were what she wanted out of the art and why she wanted to be here and why she wanted to be selling the art really cuz it really didn't come down to
1: no it's, it didn't
0: come down to wanting to make a living off of being an artist or anything like that necessarily
1: it's the same thing that some of our greatest i don't want to say greatest that's not correct um consistent returning contributors would also say and that is simply the desire to belong and that is belonging by feeling a part of something by feeling like you're actively contributing to a cause or a mission Um, and that's what it ends up boiling down to and you know again it's it's so interesting to me because We started in 2017 and everybody goes, oh man, we've shifted so much and we're so different. And, um, this organization is nothing what it looked like in the very beginning, but it's like, actually those core values never left, right? I'm sitting here talking about how another home-based artisan and myself are just on Facebook Messenger going back and forth about this, that, or the other, and how we wanted to take that to more people, right? So there's the accessibility. But then it was like, we were all working from home and we wanted to feel like we weren't alone in those endeavors. You know, I I always talk about how oftentimes artists, full-time artists or home-based businesses don't have water cooler conversation. They don't have coworkers to hobnob with. We have ourselves (laughs) and sometimes an awful lot of quiet, you know, and And so that wanting to belong, we started having monthly meetings and we started coming together and pretty soon it was, we're paying attention to what the other people are doing, the markets that they're selling at, the new products that they're, they're, they're testing out or what have you. And it it was like, we were genuine cheerleaders. And I really emphasize genuine there because there are oftentimes a lot of people in our lives or organizations or quote-unquote leadership or what have you in your community that will cheerlead anything and everything that comes out there. But they don't necessarily understand what it is that they're cheering for. And to me, that's very limiting. And sometimes we end up cheering or we end up watching people cheer for things that make you go, I don't even understand why you're cheering for that to begin with. Do you even know what it is? Is this performative, or is this because you actually know what this organization is doing? And that's what Sage was with those monthly meetings. We knew that Betsy was testing out a cookie. <laughs> you know? We knew, we were we were often tasting them for her during Sage meetings. She'd come in with samples. a you know she'd come in with samples, you know, or 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 we knew that. I don't know that Tanya was getting out of, and I don't mean to name people that we don't know, right. <laughs> that our listening audience doesn't know, but that somebody was shifting their, their product base, that they were going from this business to that business, that they were rebranding, that they were, you know, advancing into uh, commissions or maybe they were going to, um, you know, retail or what have you. We knew that, that was happening for those people because we were literally connecting with them physically and virtually on a pretty regular basis. And so I don't even remember what your original
0: <laughs> <laughs> No, just that uh this individual that reached oh, out. Oh, yeah, us yeah, yeah.
1: They want to belong. Yep. You know, that's what it boils down to. And I've been saying for a bit now. That I see us coming back into the era of nonprofits. And this is kind of a, a downfall, if you will, of the nonprofit sector, not just in the arts, but in general. Okay. Oftentimes, nonprofits, when we apply for things like grants and receive donations and, and all those things that keep us rolling, our potential is based on numbers. And so what you see people clamoring for is participation. Please, can we get this group together? Please, can we, you know, get all of you to come and and be a part of this, that, or the other? And it ends up being like this, look at me, look at what we're doing, look at what we've got going on. Um, And it's it's really kind of ugly to me um, because I have yet to see an organization around us simply live their mission statement and it's not to say that you can't you know transform and and you know modify as you go along that you can't pivot that's the word i was looking for but when you're grasping at straws you're not pivoting you're you're acting out of desperation and i see that in our community and so when, I, when we talk about like wanting to belong, there's also like this caveat to wanting to belong and that we have to be willing to essentially use both our intuition and our vetting process, like our own personal vetting process of what is it that we want to belong to and what is it that really fits, right? Um, the, and and it's, it's interesting that I bring this up because – Sometimes for us with this organization, it's it's discouraging, right? When you spend hours and hours putting something together and 10 people show up. And so then you want to get on that hamster wheel of <laughs> reaching out to as many people as you possibly can and getting the word out and begging people to show up and look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. And what gets lost in that is our own self-worth. Because we're so desperate to get people to participate or contribute that we lose sight of the value that we as leaders and as orchestrators put into what we've created. And so when we look at a sense of belonging, I would encourage twofold – One, that again, you use that intuition and that own sense, you know, that own self-awareness to go after what is best for you and what most fits your life and how you want to belong. And then two, for the leaders in our community, I'm just going to hit home once again to consider the worth and the value of your organization on its own two feet, not trying to, you know, gain a a greater audience, not trying to go viral on social media, not trying to reinvent the wheel. But what does your organization look like standing naked in front of a mirror? And if you don't like what you see, that's where the pivot lies.
0: Yeah, there's, and I think this is where we, in our endeavors together as a couple, moving through this nonprofit life together, at least through SAGE, um, this is where I have always kind of been confident in what we bring in this community because I just kind of know... You know, and you always hesitate to make some of the claims that you do because you don't want to sound egotistical, right? Mm -hmm. But you know that we're moving with a certain sort of intention that really does come from a place of wanting to help and be there for people in a a different way than the way that we see it in other places in this community.
1: Well, I think a lot of that, so the word that I would use there would be compassion. And a lot of that stems from not being financially driven. And trust me when I say (laughs) that, that living as a nonprofit, not being financially driven is also exhausting because you're constantly kind of banging your head against the wall going, I have so much good to give this world yet it's nearly impossible for me to just give it because everything costs money rent for a studio costs money we've seen the immense value of having a physical space where people know where they can find us where people know where they can come and consistently receive that care and and they understand that safe space that authentic space where, yeah, absolutely, bring your art. Come talk to us about whatever project it is that you're working on. What's really cool about what we do and what we've always done is like that constructive criticism piece, right? I think it's really cool. I don't know if somebody like cast a spell at our entrance or something that said leave your ego at the door. But everywhere we've ever gone, we've managed to have a room full of individuals whose egos – are left behind, and they just want to do good. Whether that's make good art, which is you know of course subjective, <laughs> <laughs> be a good person, or reach out with good. I think we've always been able to have that kind of a space, um, and I think that when you look at different organizations and, and, and all of that. And why why are we still so little and why are we still kind of good with being little? It's because I don't ever want a dollar sign coming from somewhere else to, to dictate what it is that we're doing or to mandate how many people we're expected to serve or to, you know give us expectations or a certain output that we have to meet in order to be funded. And, and so, you know, all of this, it, it totally ties back to accessibility, right? When we say we're not financially driven, you walk through this door for an art exhibit, there's no cost. You walk through this door as an artist, there's no cost to exhibit, There's no commission should you sell a piece while you're here. There's no cost associated with utilizing the space. Accessibility.
0: I think uh, I just want to kind of go back to something that you pointed out while you were on your last run of discussion, solo discussion there, um, where you said you just kind of slipped in that people come here for that care. And so you view what we're providing here through the lens of accessibility as a core value, as care to those who come through the door. Yeah?
1: hmm Yeah, and I think that's also one of the things, um, you know, I talked earlier about trusting our intuition. And I've learned over the last six years to really, really trust mine. And How
0: many times have we seen that? Yeah. Actually, kind of sometimes.
1: <laughs> and so I don't want to scare anybody, especially anybody that might be interested in in being a part of what we do, but there has yet to be a person who's walked through this door where I haven't been able to literally feel your intentions. And if you're coming here because you want to make more money, or because you want to use sage as a platform for more people to see your art, right? Well, y- you know you might get that. You might get that from us. But the reason why you're not going to stick around is because that can never be that can never be your your full focus, right? That has to be almost like a secondary thing, right? So when all these people are are coming at us you know wanting to belong you know we have co- almost like this responsibility to understand the environment right the people that are coming in here that are also wanting to belong what their interactions are going to be like um, and and all of that and if you're self driven it's never going to be Anything for you. If you are driven by advancing the self. It's not going to work. If you are driven collectively. All that stuff about being seen more. And making more money. And having greater opportunity. That's going to come. Collectively. And so the care aspect is that collective, that general understanding that when you walk through this door as an artist or as creative, whatever artistic medium that that might be, you are not alone. Like from the the minute you walk through this doorway, you are no longer alone in this world. So now all of a sudden we've got, you know, belonging comes back into play.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, not to get too poetic with it, but when it sounds like when there's that... Um, um intangible vetting process of somebody walking through the door and kind of being gauged on what they're coming for. When that person is the right person and they come through that door and it does work, there's this really thick richness and purposefulness that comes out of both sides of that interaction. Mm-hmm. And I can say that because I am someone who has been on both sides of that interaction as I was one of those people that was welcomed into this organization as how we met.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I give everybody that same passionate spiel. Mm -hmm. (laughs)
0: Like, everybody jokes. I got it once when we first met, and then I seen it in action a number of times after that.
1: Yeah, and, and... you know, that's another way that I'm able to kind of discern whether these people are going to walk back through the door again, is your response and your reaction to me and what it is that I have to share.
0: And you've seen the right folks stick around this whole time. Mm-hmm. There have been a handful there of people that have been here since the Our, our
1: board, from the beginning, um, are really active members pretty much from the beginning.
0: I still miss the DJ and the hula hooper.
1: I think they'll come back around. It, I think they're coming back around. <laughs> that was a little plug. I, <laughs> I, see you. I see you.
0: But yeah, so um, I just wanted to kind of explore that idea of accessibility within stage. Um, I think there are other conversations I would like to have, and I'm going to kind of serve this as like a teaser because I still want to come back and have a conversation with you on the microphone about like personal accessibility and mm-hmm. where that has kind of led. Uh, but for now, I just wanted to discuss the accessibility that you've seen in, in SAGE because accessibility is a is a very positive word that can be applied in a number of different ways. And so I think this was just one application um, for now.
1: Yeah. I mean, I just don't feel when, – when it comes to the nonprofit sector overall, who are we to say you have access to it but you don't? You know, um, we see this more and more lately. Again, when you go back to organizations that are financially driven, you will start to see exclusive events. Um, sometimes people don't consider the idea that an entry fee limits accessibility. You can go, oh, well, $5, that's not much. You know, I mean, it is what it is.
0: It's a couple meals for people.
1: Yep, yep. And... um Also, you know, I don't believe in exclusivity. The exclusivity and the, like, limited seating or, you know, what have you, all of that kind of promo that gives everybody FOMO, supposedly, I don't believe in any of that. Um, I don't believe in eighty dollar <laughs> entry fees or, you know, two hundred and fifty dollar vendor fees for an event. Like nobody needs any of that. Um, what we need is organizations that are willing to serve, and not want those who participate to essentially be the servants to their funding.